So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Hello, it's Carol here from Smashing Security. I have some fantastic news. You remember how through December we decided to give all of the profits that we made from Patreon over to the local food bank? Well, we wrote the check and it was 550 pounds strong, almost 800 US dollars, which is incredible. The volunteers at the food bank were incredibly grateful and promised to put it to fantastic use of feeding people that need feeding. So thank you all. Amazing. Now it's that time to get the first show of 2021 on the road. I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be delicate, Carol, because I what know what's your topic. Like. Why did you choose this topic? Well, because it's an important topic. I, I, right. I was, I was mm-hmm. hoping that we wouldn't get too <laughs> grubby. In what about, way, shape, or form yeah. is this an important topic? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why is this front page news on our show? Smashing Security, Episode 210. DC Rioters ID'd, Energy Dots, and Ransomware Gets You in a Pickle, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 210. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined this week by Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire and Hacking Humans. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello. It's great to be back. Happy New Year, Dave. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very welcome much. Welcome to 2021, where everything mm-hmm. is looking rosy and wonderful, and there will never be any problems ever again. Fantastic. <laughs> Couldn't be better. Did you have happy holidays, Dave? We did actually. We we took a week off between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, more or less shut the company down, which is the only way to get uh, Type A folks to stop working. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what Are we did. Are you Type A? I no 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 not oh me. right right no 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 okay no, okay no. so but some yeah. people are Graham and, are you uh, oh yes yeah I definitely am Taipei whatever that means um I, that's that, that sounds like me but of course Carol you and I we did we did that extra special thing didn't we we went up on the YouTube we did our live stream our Christmas special with some marvelous guests it started off pretty dirty I gotta say with Jeff White mm-hmm. yeah. And his uh, mm-hmm. balloon modelling. Yeah, that was pretty filthy. Mark Stockley mm-hmm. and Maria, of course. Dave, did you manage to catch the uh, the video? Did you, I add? did. I, I did catch the video. I, I, I'll admit my, my invitation must have gotten lost in the mail. But I did I catch so. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were in 
invited. Everyone's invited to watch the show. Yeah, watch the show. Right, right. <laughs> Carol, what's coming up on the show this week? First, let's thank this week's sponsors, 1Password and CrowdSec. Their support help us give you this show for free. Now, Graham, tell us what's coming up for your bit of the show. I'm going to be looking at sex toys. I'm going to be taking a close look at them. Of course and you are. Yes. Enough. David? <laughs> I'm going to be taking a look at how people have been identifying some of the folks who ransacked the U.S. Capitol last week. Oh, good. And I'm talking energy dots. Plus, we have a featured interview with the founder of CrowdSec, Philippe Humeur, who tells us all about how his IP technology can help save the day. So check that out. All this and much more coming up on today's episode. Now, chums, chums, let me take you back in time to the golden era of smashing security. I'm talking about last October. Episode 199. Last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we had the lovely Zoe Kleinman, BBC's technology correspondent, discussing some of the fascinating work done by Pentest Partners. Pentest Partners, of course, have done all kinds of research into security vulnerabilities on IoT devices. And they took a close look at a device which came out from China, but it's been sold around the world, called the Key Cellmate. Key is spelt Q-I-U-I, but pronounced key. Hmm. It sounds innocent enough. It sounds it, doesn't it? But the cellmate, let me tell you, um, if you weren't aware, is uh, an IoT chastity lock for men. Oh, yes, we talked about this. Yes, 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 with Zoe, that's right. Exactly. I remember, I remember. So if you want to restrict access to your proverbials or somebody else's, perhaps... You would give them one of these, clamp it on, press a button on your little app. What is this this because someone touches themselves too much in public or something? Like, why does someone have one of these? I don't think you need to do that, Crow. If if you're you're suffering from that problem, you could just wear (laughs) mittens or something. No, well, you could. No, this this is more of a, it's kind of a sex toy thing. It's kind of a a bit sort of. um, Oh, it's got a free song. Is is the phrase BDSM? I don't know. I'm not really (laughs) sure what that stands for, but, but it's, it's, it's something where you're in a relationship where someone says, oh, no, 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 you can't do anything with that until I give you permission. And, and they lock up your private. They lock it up on an What if you app, need so to go to the loo? I think we talked about this. this. Yes. I think you can still drizzle through. I, so I think, <laughs> I think you can. Good Lord. Because otherwise, uh, that, would be, that would be unhealthy, wouldn't it? The I mean, let's be practical I was thinking, here. Right? I was thinking they look like pants. So I was assuming like you're both No, your... it's something which clamps. I, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be delicate, Carol, because I what know was what your topic. Like. Why did you choose this topic? Because well, it's an important topic. I, I, right. I was, I was mm-hmm. hoping that we wouldn't get too <laughs> grubby. While mm-hmm. In what about, way, shape, or form yeah. is this an important topic? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why is this front page news on our show? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I thought, let's start 2021. You know, clean breast of things. Let's not get all muddied down in some of the filth which we've done in past episodes. Let's let's move forward and and not just be childish and snigger up these things. Now, the penetration testers <laughs> they found some troubling security vulnerabilities in the key cellmate. And did they? They tell said, surprise. Yes. They said it opened up the door to some pretty eye watering attacks. They explained how attackers could grab remote control of a wearer's penal prison and lock them up permanently 
unless a ransom was paid because of vulnerabilities. Oh, it's in- only for boys. Oh, for goodness sake. You said oh, penal yes. prison. Uh, well, what? I, well, I said a male chest. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry, I missed that. I missed the adjective. Yes, Sorry. it is. Sorry. Yes. Um, now, we, we looked at this threat. We discussed it, you know, the potential for ransoms and, and so forth. And it was a bit worrying. And, and we treated it with the gravitas it deserved. Uh, and we resolved to keep a close eye open on any developments. Well, there have now been developments. So I wanted to be sure that any listeners of ours who use the cellmate chastity lock. And I'm sure we've, I mean, we've got a lot. Tweet us. (laughs) Get in touch. Asking for a friend. Because, because source code of ransomware, which targets these devices has now been posted on GitHub. Of course it has. And it takes advantages of the flaws and demands a 0.02 Bitcoin ransom, which is round about $650 at the current exchange rate. Because as you know, Bitcoin prices have been zooming up, haven't they? They're, I think it's over $30,000 now, or maybe mm-hmm. even more. So not quite enough for John McAfee to um, win his bet, but, you know, it's still <laughs> going Going quite well. So this piece of ransomware. <laughs> Although this device would keep John McAfee from fulfilling his promise, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. This could. This is maybe the gadget for John McAfee. You got there right before me, Dave. The problem it. is, I believe Mr. McAfee is currently in a Spanish prison, awaiting extradition to the States. So <laughs> he's got other locks on his mind. Yeah. <laughs> You may not be able to receive these via Amazon. I don't, I'll get a delivery of one of these. <laughs> anyway, if you get hit by the ransomware, you get this message saying, ha, 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 I have your cock now. Send 0.02 Bitcoin to this address by this time, or you'll be locked up forever. <laughs> so presumably then you call the person who's locked up your junk and said, uh, hello, and they go, it's not me, it's not me. E- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because someone else has commandeered control of it. Which is... I wonder if anyone's faked that. Now, I've been looking at the source code of this ransomware. Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. an interesting little fact. For research purposes only, yeah. right? <laughs> Can either of you guess what programming language the ransomware is written in? What programming language do you imagine? It must be a pun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm testing your pun skills. <laughs> it's Python. Oh. <laughs> How I chortled when I realised that. Oh. Only guys laugh at that. Women still don't understand the joke at all. (laughs) Now, the good news (laughs) is that if you're unlucky enough to be hit by this ransomware, um, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay. No, you can just live in a cell for the rest of your life. You can still go to the loo, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You can still still poop in in number one and number two. So what's the drama? to wash (laughs) your penis afterwards, though. Well, you? you know... Bit of Febreze. What what could possibly go wrong by by getting an electronic device that's that close to your goodies wet? <laughs> yes. There are alternative ways to override the lock, which don't involve paying the ransom, which is good because you probably don't have a backup penis to rely upon. So you, what speak you can for do, yourself. <laughs> so what you can do is you can prise open, apparently prise open the circuit board. I remember this from last time. And apply a voltage with two wires. Mm-hmm. It's right near your left bollock <laughs> to unlock the sex toy. You Seems like this would be a lot easier if you had a very dear friend who could help you with this endeavor. <laughs> or, or you can get an angle grinder as well yeah. to, to cut through. 
No, I'm not going to go into DIY with you. What's the point? <laughs> okay. There's no point. Okay. There's no point. You can't even okay. put a light bulb in. So, um, But another thing to consider, Dave, is if yes. you did manage to extricate your little friend from the chastity cage. Who are you, you calling little? still be blackmailed because, of course, you may not want folks to know that that's where you parked your Percy. Right. right. So even right. if you can get it out... <laughs> that isn't necessarily the end of the story. So I think there's some obvious morals uh, to be learnt from this tale. There's no mm-hmm. morals. Don't put your dick somewhere stupid. Yeah, it's, <laughs> not, it's not the, quite the same as the lion with the thorn in its paw, is it, for all <laughs> that particular moral that you've shared with us there? But yes. <laughs> Good. Nice. What? Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the show. So, Dave, what have you got for us this week? Ah, well, um, I don't know if uh, news of this has made its uh, way across the pond to all of you, but uh, we had a bit of a kerfuffle last week here at the U.S. Capitol. I'm so sorry, man. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I, and uh, <laughs> I make light of it only because, uh, as I often say, we laugh because otherwise we would cry. Um, so, uh, some rioters, um, took hold of the U.S. Capitol here in D.C., uh, egged on by our president. Um, and, uh, so I think everyone's probably aware of that story. Um, but one thing that caught my eye in all of this was, uh, the online attempt, the, uh, sort of open source public attempt to try to figure out who some of these people were. Yeah. Who stormed the, um, the Capitol building. And one gentleman in particular, uh, got to be known as Zip Tie Guy. Um, <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. Which is interesting because if anyone saw the video live stream we did just before Christmas, I, I thought I was going to be Zip Tie Guy because I, of course, had my zip tied to my shirt. So that when I stood up, it pulled my <laughs> the zip of my trousers up. That, that's the story I was telling. But yeah, but yes, there's a there's a new zip tie guy in town. He may have a few more views, Graham. Just a you've few. been unseated. Yes, you're no yeah. longer alpha <laughs> zip tie guy. I hope I hope you're able to get over it. Yeah. Um, so this particular zip tie guy was a gentleman who made his way into the Senate chamber, and he's called zip tie guy because it ha- he had a handful of zip ties. These are the kind of zip ties that you use uh, instead of handcuffs. So if you're planning on arresting or restraining a whole lot of people and you don't want to spend the money for handcuffs, uh, handcuffs are also heavy. That's what I was going to um, say. They're a little heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like dragging yeah. yourself around. Yeah, so uh, yeah. use these zip ties. Um, now, this gentleman was dressed head to toe in camouflage. Jesus. Uh, unlike most of his companions, he was wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, and so, so began this online odyssey of trying to look at every possible little detail mm. that was revealed in photographs of this guy. And um, I've included a link to a, a Twitter thread where they do just that. And they start with looking at the type of camouflage he was wearing, where it, mm. where it was probably purchased. Um, he was wearing a few patches on his shirt. Um, and one of them, a telltale one, was a uh, thin blue line patch, which is a, a patch that supports the police. Uh, and his was in the shape of the, uh, of Tennessee. 
So mm. there's a bit of information. Perhaps this gentleman is from Tennessee. Uh, and then they started, people started combing through other photos from that day, from other, uh, demonstrations previously where this person may have shown up. Uh, he was wearing, uh, some patches on his hat and on his, on the front of his, uh, body armor that, uh, were, were unique. Um, and so sure enough, some folks found some photos of him outside the Capitol and he had a companion there. There was a woman who was, uh, who had a, a red hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, even though we don't know who he is, well, maybe we start looking f- to try to figure out who this woman is. Oh, narrowing down people who might be wearing red hats at this particular event. <laughs> 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 I suspect there's quite a yeah. few of them. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you start with a large pool and then you narrow it down. <laughs> okay, but question, question, question. Don't yes. you think that inside that would be the one place I could imagine in America where facial recognition software would be de rigueur? Yes. You'd imagine that an official being like, you know, the person that goes and sits at Nancy Pelosi's desk and rifles through her drawers, you'd think he'd be caught at some point on camera and be mm. thrown through a facial recognition software. Yes. So this particular gentleman, only his eyes were visible underneath of mm. his uh, mm. his baseball cap here. But um, people stayed at it. And by going through footage, they found a video that someone had posted from the lobby of the Grand Hyatt DC Hotel, which let me say is a bit of a swanky hotel, uh, on the night of January 6th. And sure enough, it looks like this guy... Uh, with his female companion, who it turns out, wait for it, is his mom. Um, <laughs> Was it take your mum to work day? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> take, take your mum to a riot Take your mum to the riot day. Um, do, do you think this stuff is a bit scary? Because I'm just remembering, wasn't it the Boston Marathon yeah. where the internet, I think it was on Reddit, but there was kind of a hunt for for who was suspicious on the day. And people got it wrong, yeah. didn't and they? And they got it wrong. It worries me. I, I, I certainly saw a lot of people online hunting and looking for clues as to who people were in the crowd. And it always feels a little bit uncomfortable when people start naming names, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah. if they get it wrong, man, and you just get attacked by this mob... Right. And to their credit, the folks who seem to be going at this in a responsible way were very specific about saying we're not going to name names until we can get 100 percent verification. We're sending all this information on to the FBI so that they can do the work that they need to do. And that seems to be what happened here, because um, update uh, from The New York Times, uh, this gentleman was arrested. It turns out he's a 30 year old bartender. Looks like uh, he got let uh, things get away from him. Um, his mother uh, was interviewed by the Times of London, and uh, she was quoted by as saying, I'd rather die as a 57-year-old woman than live under oppression. I'd rather die and would rather fight. Okay. So there you go. Okay. Well, man, yeah. there you are. You know, yeah. I, it, it is an interesting question, this issue of people trying to work out who is who at a at a controversial event like this. What I quite liked was, of course, you're, you're probably familiar with this um, this interesting platform, Parlay. And there was somebody who it appears, judging by a screenshot which has been shared on Twitter, there's someone who posted up on Parlay claiming to be a White House attorney. Yes. And <laughs> yes. they said, the president is strongly considering pardoning all patriots who stormed the Capitol, but we need to get him the right information so he can do it in the next week and a half. <laughs> if right. you would like a pardon... 
please respond below with your name, city, what crimes <laughs> you think you need to be pardoned for. Yes. <laughs> and share yes. it with anyone else. My my favorite part it's of just, that is that the U.S. Justice Department actually put out a press release saying that that was not actually them. Oh. So. Thank, but thank God they did. Like today, you've got to. You've got to. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I again, we laugh because otherwise we would cry. This is indeed frightening stuff, um, you know, not, not far from where I live. And... Um, uh, who knows where we're going to go from here, um, as a, as a nation. Uh, certainly I know, you know, you all have your hands full with plenty of stuff over your way as well, but, um, it's been a, a kind of a, a sobering, uh, week for us here stateside. Mm. Crazy times. Yep. Well, on that, Carol, <laughs> take us out of the I know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What have you got for us, Carol? Energy dots. I'm talking energy dots. Hmm. Now, what does that word mean to you? Does it mean anything to either of you? No. Energy dots. Because it did me from our childhood, probably the same decade, 1980s. Energy dots. Oh, are you talking? Are they like acid or something? Is it like a, at a rave? Or no. Well, probably. There was a candy that came on a sheet of paper that was little little dots of looked like acid yeah, little dots of candy <laughs> yeah. that and they were awful because you'd always get a mouthful of paper with them that's what i can remember <laughs> it's energy dots were in pac-man oh those were the little dots oh, that right. you grabbed oh, okay. you got your little do, 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 and that's what they okay. were called yeah yeah so anyway today the term energy dots refers to something a little more questionable maybe even controversial but you guys tell me what you think okay so let me start with the website description of this hmm. thing Okay, handy frequency technology discs that you can wear, stick to devices, or place around the home. Use them to rebalance, bring positive energy, and support your well-being. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, can you tell me what that? Can you tell me what it so is? So, is like IoT crystals? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> They're like stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're basically stickers that you stick to either your phone or devices or, well, you'll just wait what they stick it to. <laughs> right. Graham's going to need his angle grinder. <laughs> exactly. Right? But it's like, apparently, it's an answer to uh, the exposure of non-ionizing EMF radiation. Uh. So, yes. Now, Amazon has reportedly a glut of companies offering these EMF protections or EMF harmonizers. The idea is what do these things do and why are people buying them and what is yes. going on? Right? So the, they say these discs do on the website. They say they've created an EMF protection device. It's called Smart Dot. That's one of them. And it's programmed to retune electromagnetic frequencies emitted by your wireless devices. This sounds a little bit like the holographic nanolayer catalysms that uh, Mark Stockley was on the show last last year yes. talking about, which was nonsense as well. It's very much like that, I think. Right. Okay, now, but I'd invite you guys to go to the website. So energydots.com, if you guys go there, Energy it takes a long time to load. Probably because it's really popular. Oh, when I go there, it says you need to enter your username and password. It says the site is protected. Energydots.com. Dot com. Is are you have, the, have sure? they shut down their website because people Let's see. Because 
people are. There's been a bit of a uh, bit of news because they've been in the papers. Yeah, I, I get. Oh, I get the same thing. Dots, right? Same thing. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, uh, I'll uh, I'll just have to tell you what's there. Right. Um, so basically, you affix this smart dot, this sticker-like thing to your favorite gadgets and then await harmonization. <laughs> and I'm not sure how Sorry? you know when that hits you or how you know that your well-being is being fully supported, uh-huh. but there you go. Now, in the product selection, they have lots of different things like they have pet dots aqua dots space dots hang on a minute hang on right so what these are dots for your pet yes to make sure that they're at ease and what's an aqua and not dot being... you can't stick it on water <laughs> stick what it on your well, fish I, I would go tell you if i could get to the website <laughs> stick it on your but fish. the website's yeah. down if a goldfish just to get this <laughs> to its tail fish. maybe when you're swimming like what what, what? put it in the bathtub <laughs> Yeah. So so they say at one point on the website, they say it is the natural fields or information programmed onto the magnetic dot that does the work and creates positive change. Okay, full stop. The next sentence, magnets have been used as storage devices for decades. Bank cards, videotapes, a computer hard drive are all examples of magnetic storage. Mm-hmm. It's unrelated. Yeah. So they're basically saying because we use them to store our devices, it's good for you. We trust it. We trust magnets. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, and the other thing I scooped up in their website is they have this set of this place where they talk about independent research. Which Sorry, I'm being a bit slower. What you're saying is this company, Energy Dot, sell little stickers which you stick on your equipment and it then produces harmonization and good stuff in your life. Is that right? Why is it so complicated to you? It's completely clear from everything I've said. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> right. This is all the stuff from their website. I don't know why you're tra- no, no, like, what are you trying to dig in? Just trying to clarify. You're trying to find a problem? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's not very clear what it does. I was looking to try and get an actual description of what right. it does, right? Not easy. But what they're trying to do from all these words on their website is to show that it it gives you something good. And this is one of the examples they have in their independent research. It's called chickpea growth. Okay. Mm. And it says, quote, we all need a healthy living environment to thrive. And this can affect the way we think and feel both mentally and physically. Our chickpea experiment was conducted over a 15-day period to learn more about the effects of EMFs. The results found that exposed to a mobile phone, chickpeas were unable to grow as much in comparison to alongside a mobile phone with a smart dot. So, well, there it is. That's the, all the evidence I need. <laughs> yeah, there was no link to any research on that one. but uh, I'm sure it's peer-reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting if it was true, though, wouldn't it? Well, that, would, that sounds kind of interesting. It, yes, if it were true, it would be interesting, Graham. <laughs> if only these things were infused with copper, then then we'd be on to something. How much do these stickers cost? Oh, they're not cheap. They're not cheap. They're about 20 quid a pop. Ooh. You can get a whole, you can get the whole gamut, like a, 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 a whole pack, I think for, it was like uh, 180 quid. So what? 250 bucks. Oh my goodness, because smashing security stickers, if anyone wants them from our online store... Or a lot less than that. Or if you become a patron, you'll be sent three stickers very generously. Now, earlier today, previous guest of Smashing Security were like Kathleen Jones. He wrote a piece about these energy dots because they did a little digging of their own. Right. So they went out and bought some energy dots. 
And then they sent them. Did they buy chickpeas as well to do the, do the experiment <laughs> They properly? sent them to the University of Surrey for tests. And would you be surprised the test found no evidence of any effect? No. Like what? at all. Like nada. Like nothing. No. Energy Dots told the BBC that the stickers were programmed with scalar energy, which the scientist equipment would be unable to detect the scalar energy. What are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> so it sounds like pretty, pretty <laughs> shoddy reporting by the BBC then, who yeah, didn't do I it mean, properly. Didn't, you know, I'm yes. sure there's some sort of uh, quantum element here as well, because as we all know, that things that things happen in the quantum realm that uh, we simply cannot understand, but they happen and and. Yeah, shame on the BBC for their shoddy reporting and uh, testing techniques. I mean, I'm, I'm on I'm on team dot. Fake news. <laughs> Even last year, USA Today said, "Look, we are doing a fact check into this and they found a, found no evidence, right, that the low-powered magnet would protect cell phone users from EMF radiation." Anyway, uh so so all this is going on in the crux of this, right? So I was thinking, how how does this happen? How do people fall for this? Cuz people are and pe- that's why people like Roy are writing about it. You're you're trying to tell people this may not be very good. There is lots of charlatans out there making a buck out of this weird kind of Venn diagram between fact and ill fact. Yeah. Because or, or non-fact. There's that sentence, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Do you think that's why their website has disappeared as well? It's gone absent because then we it can't got, disprove any of it because yeah. it's no longer available. It probably got hit by an EMF pulse. I heard I read this uh, BBC news report and it's quite interesting and people have to be very careful about what they believe online surprise surprise because they claim to have partnered with two NHS hospitals. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. the references to those hospitals have disappeared from their website apparently. Um once the BBC started making inquiries because one hospital said well we don't know anything about this we haven't partnered with them and the other hospital doesn't actually exist. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then they said, oh, it was a screw up with our ad people. I know. I mean, it doesn't exist in our realm, but what about the quantum realm? I'm sure it's an active hospital in in another dimension. But you know what? Like, okay, so say, let's say I met someone on the street that was talking about all this stuff. And, you know, I knew absolutely nothing about EMFs and all this stuff and blah, blah. And I would go and start Googling it, right? I would go do a search. So today I was screwing around doing different, you know, searches. And I had like 5G scientists find or, you know, latest news on EMF radiation or what is EMF radiation or, and all of them, the first page, I had contradictory news. So I'm looking at one here. I took a screenshot of one and it says a scientist brand 5G claims complete rubbish, right? Another one say, uh, 5G confirmed safe by radiation watchdogs. You're thinking, oh, okay. And then it's mm-hmm. a prominent scientist warned that 5G could pose health hazards. You know, that's number four. Science warned percentage of serious health effects with 5G. That's number five. And these are all on the front page. So obviously those that are trying to make a buck out of this are spending a lot of mm-hmm. SEO money to grab the top locations of this through keywords. And that may be where, you know, if I want to go educate myself, what am I going to do if I'm a normal Joe? I'm going to go and Google it, or I'm going to go to a search engine and type in the keywords. And then I think, oh, these guys are selling for 20 quid this potential harmonization, which may or, you know, do something. What's the harm in me buying it? Even if it's fake, who cares? Yeah. And I don't know how to deal with that argument. Well, I can tell you from our, from my perspective that nothing... um Nothing gets the the conspiracy theorists out of the woodwork 
like mentioning an EMP pulse on our show, which is a, you know, (laughs) and it's a real thing, uh, a real possibility. You know, that's this notion that someone sets off a nuclear weapon. It creates an electromagnetic pulse and all the computers and things stop working. Um, there's something to that, but in terms of the top 10 threats we need to worry about of keeping the electrical grid going, it's probably not up there. But let me tell you, if you even mention it in passing, people run to their local public libraries and start sending you emails about it. It is one of those things mm. that the folks who are into this sort of thing, electromagnetic stuff, whew, boy, do they latch onto it and they, they come at you with vigor. Well, thank thank you for mentioning it on our podcast then, Dave. I really appreciate that. <laughs> nice. Jeez. <laughs> Forward all the I, I, I just I'm spreading the love. <laughs> I'll leave you with something quite um ironic. I think I'm using the term correctly, but uh so I of course checked out their privacy statement, because why wouldn't I? Yeah. And it says, with this website, there are no implied conditions, warranties, terms, representations regarding the quality, accuracy, or completeness of the information, right? So they're basically saying, it could all be bullshit. We're not holding ourselves accountable at anything we've said here. And then they also say, Energy Dot's website pages do not constitute either an offer or legal or professional or medical advice. And by using this website, you confirm that you've not relied on any such content. So basically, don't trust us, is the other thing it says. (laughs) Right, right. To be fair, we'd say that for our podcast as well. I mean, <laughs> well, we, we would say, don't believe anything we say or trust us or believe it or, you know, don't for rely For entertainment on us. purposes only. Well, I would say that's true for one of us, clearly. <laughs> I think he's saying, I think he's saying, don't, don't blame me. <laughs> it's not trust, it's about yes. blame. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I do blame him for so, so many things. Anyway, but if a company says don't trust us, maybe we should listen. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Graham. Hey. Now that it's 2021, are you ready to admit that maybe your brain is turning to mush? <laughs> Why are you saying that? You, are you thinking I'm getting forgetful? Um. Yes. Often. Very. And I'm a little bit worried about it. I, I suppose most of us, you know, working from home all the time. <laughs> I mean, how how the heck do you even remember a password in these scenarios? Nice segue, eh? Yeah, well, I use a good password manager. I, in fact, use one password. One password, that's one with a one, right? That's right. One yeah. password. It's a great password manager. It works for home use. It works for families. It works for business. So I run a little business here at home. Um, and it means, and imagine I worked in a bigger business, right? Imagine I was a part of the remote workforce. I could still work safely online. Make it really easy for me to create and use strong passwords or share them with my colleagues. Oh, and tell you what, now that all of us are working from home and your computer is being used not just for work, but also for home stuff more Mm -hmm. often than ever before, this kind of stuff keeps everything nicely segregated. Yeah, and uh, listeners can find out more and they can try 1Password for free for 14 days at onepassword.com. Thanks to them for supporting the show. Hey, Clue, Clue, did you hear my uh, crowd sec special interview that I did? What, the, the one at the end of this podcast? Yeah, the one of episode 210. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, did it's you? great. Yeah. Okay. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I believe you. Just tell me everything you know about crowd sec. Go. 
Oh, okay. Um, CrowdSec, uh, they're building a community uh, where you, SecOps, and DevOps can join forces around the world and actually make a difference against all the new attacks which are coming out. Um, Because no matter what your business size is, CrowdSec offers an adaptive response to security issues such as um, credential stuffing, port scans, password brute forcing, and much, much more. Okay, tell me how they analyze visitors' behaviors. What do they do with, with <laughs> malicious traffic, for example? That, okay, yeah, they it, they analyze uh, your visitors' behavior. They they deal with the malicious traffic, and oh yes, they automatically share details across the community to ensure everyone is protected. So the more data that CrowdSec aggregates, the stronger it gets. Okay, that's great, except you forgot the most important thing. It's free and it's open source, so anyone can benefit from this. So join the CrowdSec community and let's make the internet safer together. Find out more at crowdsec.net slash smashing. And smashing security special listeners, guess what? There's a prize just for you. If you go and join the user community, find out what it is. We're dying to know. Learn more. (laughs) Crowdsec. .net slash smashing. And thanks to CrowdSec for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us on our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my pick of the week this week is not security related. I think we've all been reeling by the horrendous uh, news reports coming from America where we saw people um, breaking into a building and then uh, obviously causing some mayhem and distress and stealing stuff as well and doing a lot of damage. And that's why my pick of the week this week is a computer game all about the removal business. It's called Moving Out. And in Moving Out, which is available on Steam and also available for the Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox, I've been playing it on the Nintendo Switch, you are a house removal person working with your partner, and your job is to move everything from inside the house into the removal van within a certain time limit. And, of course, you have to do this in coordination because there are some things which are quite heavy, like fridges, like sofas... (laughs) You recently moved house, did you? So, so you are obviously quite good at this. Is that you're like, no, 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 don't that's, touch that one. That's right. And so, <laughs> and so God. it's, it's quite amusing because, of course, you have to coordinate with your colleague in the removal business to say, you get that end. I'll get this end. And you're trying to get through the door together and you keep on bumping up against it. And eventually in this game, what you find works best is to smash the windows and throw the sofa out <laughs> of the window to get it out that way. And so you're knocking things over left, right and centre because you're so desperate to get things into the van to get to your next job that mayhem ensues and the craziness truly does. If you've ever played a video game like Overcooked or perhaps even closer Mm, to this is a great, great game called Totally Reliable Delivery Service. Mm -hmm. Overcooked, if you played that, Dave, you will certainly know the kind of mayhem Yes, and the I played Overcooked. It's, it's, a it's, fun. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, Moving Out is similarly a great deal of fun. And that is why it is my pick of the week. Links in the show notes. Hey, sounds, sounds interesting. It's good fun. Dave, what's your pick of the week? Well, I also have a video game. Um, you know, I like puzzle games. I like 
something that's going to take my mind away from the day-to-day things that we've been dealing with all last year, and it seems into this year as well. And well, Dave, uh, if game... you've got a problem with that, all you need is some harmonization. Maybe you should that's... just stick a dot on your forehead. <sighs> it's true. It's true. Well, I, now I know. Now I know. I'm going to, if they get their website working, I'll order some. Uh, so a game I've been enjoying, uh, I've been playing it on my phone. It's called Polybridge. And this is a puzzle game where it is your job to construct bridges across, mostly across bodies of water. And so it's a sort of combination of engineering skills. You have different materials that you can use to build the bridge. You have wood and steel and ropes and steel cables and things like that. You have different types of vehicles you have to get across the bridge. Some of them are light. Some of them are heavy. Some of them move fast. Some of them move slow. Um... But it, it has a physics simulator, so when you build your bridge and you mm-hmm. click go, these vehicles try to go across the bridge. And part of the fun, I will admit, is when the bridges fail, they fail <laughs> catastrophically. <laughs> and so oh, wonderful. it's great fun to watch your bridge collapse and everyone go into the drink. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, um, so do you have to learn some physics, like so you come away with a bit more knowledge? Do you yes. Think, do, you, do you think you're more reliable now? At, could I trust you to build a bridge if you and I were walking along and there was this big stream yes. and there was some Are wood nearby? Are you Isambard Kingdom Bitner now? Are you capable <laughs> of making some <laughs> yes. truly uh, impressive bridges? Yes. I will say that you do get much better at this as you go along. Uh, because you learn, you learn what works and what doesn't. And they start you out with very simple things. And, but as you go along, mm. they get more complicated. You have to build many more things. There are hydraulics, there are drawbridges, all sorts of fun challenges that you have to uh, make your way through. Um, there is a Polybridge 2, which I also recently started playing, um, having made my way through Polybri- the original Polybridge. And to mm-hmm. your point, I, what I found was that starting out Polybridge 2, which starts at a lower level, I can just zip right through the beginning of it because of all these skills I've learned yeah. along the way on, on the regular Polybridge. But um, it is a fun game. It's distracting. If you like these sort of little engineering puzzle types of games, it has a whimsical uh, nature to it as well. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's Polybridge, and it is my pick of the week. And where do you where do you play it? Do you play it on, on the loop? Uh, Steam or? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you play on your phone? I, yes, or I play what? on my phone. You... It's available. It's uh, in the App Store for iOS. That's where I play it. Uh, right, it's, right. Available it's available on Steam. Number... Yeah. Yes, I think I've played yeah. it on the Nintendo Switch. It's good fun. This game. I've played it as well. I'm not very good at it. Jeez, but... Graham, did you do anything else? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no time for anything else. <laughs> that and the podcast, Carol. Just cool. It's, I like the sound of this one. I, I think this sounds... Uh, oh, like you, do, this sound you don't like the sound of mine? I, not as much. <sighs> just the mayhem ensues. I just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right. Maybe maybe when I come over, we can play it in uh, 2025. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See you then. Okay. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Uh, well, let's start the year as we mean to go on. An audio drama. <laughs> Brand new 10-episode pod thriller from the BBC called The Cipher. Um, And it all starts with a mysterious puzzle that appears online, a cryptic parallax. And our main character, who's incredibly curious and smart-mouthed and sharp-witted and intelligent and 16, uh, cracks the parallax. Uh, But rather the big celebration, everything goes askew. And we saw how the details, but things get exciting. She has, she ends up hunting a serial killer at some point. 
who seem intent on killing top-rated scientists from around the world and what's going on. Anyway, it's really fun and uh, it's a great pandemic audio junket because you're like flying around, going to different countries, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, running around. A bit like, um, <laughs> what's his name? The guy who lives up in Jackson Hole. <laughs> I can't I remember say, his like, name. Where in the world is I can't remember his name. Harrison Ford. Harrison oh, Harrison Ford. Ford. It's a bit like that, but with a 16-year-old girl. You mean Indi- do you mean Indiana Jones? Uh, yes. Indiana Jones. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Now, uh, now we're with you. All right. Long, long way to get there, but we got there, so that's good. I just had this complete brain fart, like complete, like nothing. There's nothing in there that could help me. Anyway, 10 episodes. It's a thriller. They're about 20, 20 minutes or 30 minutes an episode. Easily digestible enjoy find it wherever you get your podcasts including bbc sounds do you use bbc sounds either of you Graham? um only when it's only available on bbc sounds i think the app's quite good actually i think mm. the app on iphone I, I was playing playing around with it and i'm like it's not bad i think it's right. pretty good mm. um there you go so that's my pick of the week uh what's it called again the cipher marvelous now Carol, i believe you've got a featured interview up your sleeve for us this week I do with the founder of CrowdSec, which was very exciting. Now, uh, this is a great interview. Not only is he super, super personable, but I got to learn a lot about his approach to security. Check it out. Okay, so I am here with the delightful Philippe Humer. You will hear that he has a French accent, which I adore. Um, He is the founder of CrowdSec. Now, CrowdSec is one of our sponsors. And CrowdSec's not just their company name. It is also the name of their free open source security automation tool. Now, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But first, I want to welcome to the show. Thank you, Philippe, for coming on the show. My pleasure. I'm really happy to be there with you and discussing. And with my f- strong French accent, I hope everyone will understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start. Let's start with the landscape. So right now, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. We've got tons of big companies out there with huge remote workforces. And we are still seeing loads of hacks happening. So why is that happening? What's going on? Maybe you can just give us a bit of insight onto the environment we're looking at right now. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds crazy, but even in 2020, we were not ready for such a remote work uh, force, you know. And even the biggest companies got hacked, and even in the early 2021, it repeated again. Based on what 20 years of experience in the industry, I think there is there is four pillars to it. The first one would be time, you know, because you never get to choose a time when you're attacked, right? It's right. a time between uh, the zero day, zero days when you find a, a new vulnerability and when the patches release and when the patches release and when you apply it. And all of this takes time. And on the attacker side, the time is it's counted in, in seconds, you know, and on the defensive side, it's counted in, in weeks. And this is totally asymmetrical. Um, but there are other other points that are asymmetrical. If you think about it, like firewalls, they are not filtering much of what's really happening because... You don't filter anyone coming to what your mail, your website, your mm. apps, your DNS and all. All of those protocols are just not filtered or barely filtered. And most of them are now encrypted. So it makes it extremely complicated for appliances to see through the traffic if there's something, you know, dangerous. So once again, it's, it plays against you. Then the next one would be the perimeter. And it actually, I think it's even the biggest one. You know, back in the eighties, 
um, CTOs had their servers in their basement and they were happy about it because, you know, they can draw a wall around uh, a sort of castle around all the resources. It's almost like a, like a watered moat and they're in control of everything. Yeah, it's kind of Alcatraz or if you want another image <laughs> that is fun, it's like, you know, this uh, Gandalf uh, in the middle of the bridge in the Moria Man say, saying, you shall not pass, except yep. there are thousands of bridges and no Gandalf. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't play well. Yeah. So, but more seriously, I mean, if you think about these cloud drives, right? The yeah. Dropbox, for example, or, or Google Drive, whatever. And we all use those all the time, right? For oh, yeah. personal stuff, for work stuff. Yeah. We store everything there, and, and we mix private and, and professional life uh, greatly in this. There is the cloud. Uh, there, there are a lot of containers, SaaS. I mean, you can store things in your WordPress back office for what it's worth. We wouldn't know about it uh, being the CTO. And yeah. then we had the pandemic. So we had the COVID-19 VPNs, as I call them. I mean, before that, some companies had some VPN. Uh, and after the COVID, all companies had VPNs. But how many of them were ready for that? How many yeah. did the job properly or did it, made the proper security policies around it? So basically now you've got the little one in the gaming room playing with the PlayStation or its Android device and bringing all the hell of the world into your central IT core system uh, because there are no more perimeters, right? Exactly. And from what you're saying, as the person in charge of all the traffic and managing the systems, you actually have fairly limited visibility and time to act due to the, how it works and due to encryption and due to lack of information you have and visibility. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is why the game is rigged, but there's one more force at work, and it's tremendous. It's money. You know, we all know that this is the biggest one ever in the world. So hackers, hackers are using what? Stolen servers, you know, that compromised it before. They are using their IPs and resources, so it's for free, basically. They are using free open source tools. Some of them buy a bit, but it's mainly free open source tools, and that time. And when you're on defense side, you need to use what? Appliances that cost a hell lot, licenses, you need to have DevOps and SecOps people watching over your security and creating proper environment. Yeah. You need to to do a pen test and so on. It's it stressful. No wonder lot. most IT people are bald. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, but no, but I can understand yeah. the stress levels, right? I'd want to pull my hair out, especially now yeah. in this new world. It's 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 scary. And the the worst part is they just have to succeed once. You know, you have to defend mm -hmm. and fold all of their attacks, all mm -hmm. of them, one by one. Every and they just one. have to succeed once. Yeah. This is yeah. The, the crazy part. So it's totally rigged. That's why it's so asymmetrical. And that's why even big companies fell for uh, hacking in 2020 and before. Okay. Okay. So I see the scene now. It's very bleak. <laughs> but you, you <laughs> created this CrowdSec tool for a reason. You know, someone lately told me, uh, gave me a new way of seeing it. It's kind of a giant multiplayer firewall. And it's exactly this, actually. It's brilliant because we've been working in this for, for, for a year now. Uh -huh. And it didn't come into my mind. The best way I could represent it before was like, it's a ways of security, right? Yeah. So, but it's, it's this. It's a giant, uh, multiplayer firewall. So, so this tool is not really a firewall as such. It's folding attacks by uh, looking at behavior. So for example, if you knock like five times the password and it's not the right one, maybe you don't have the password and you're trying to guess it. Right? It's called password brute forcing. Or if you constantly call uh, URLs on the website that do not exist, 
maybe you're scanning the website and not making a legitimate use of it. Okay, so the basic layer is this. It's behavioral standpoint. We try to assess what you're doing with the resources. So it's super simple. There are scenarios. You just apply them and it detects shenanigans in your logs, right? But this is kind of, it's it's known and not known, but I mean, the tool does something that maybe some other tools are doing or used to do, like fail to ban. But we had we added something new to this to this and the thing is the crowd the crowd is so powerful the crowd like so this is all the other people like the community of users right everyone using it if you fold an attack if you block an attack because you know say it was a brute force you detected it then you share the ip across a network right basically it's this you detect an attacker you detect its ip and you share it all across a network so this ip is burnt for all the users using the product and it's extremely powerful because if you think about it, it's it's a bit like Waze. You don't need to know uh, what's happening, you know, two kilometers away from you because the GPS is going to tell you there's a, a roadblock or, I don't know, a speed trap or... And it shows you everything that's happening. And it's, it's based only because all the users are sharing their position and speed and also what they saw on the road. And it's exactly what we're doing, but on internet. So, so what you're saying is you, whenever your tool spots something, an, a bad IP, it shares that bad IP with all the other community blocking it from availability. Absolutely. And the point is, we, we want to make, um, you know, if you think about it, a hacker has few resources that he really cares about. You know, his time, obviously, but the second most precious resources, uh, it's IPs, IP addresses. You know, if he compromised like 3,000 of them, he's using them on a daily basis to, I don't know, validate uh, credit card numbers, for example. He, st- he has stolen a credit card database and he wants to validate every number to resell them at a higher price. And what he does is using those 3,000 IPs to do so, just not to get caught with one only. But if you burn them, yeah. It's like if you if you're emptying the cartridges in, in his uh, pocket, you know. Yeah. So he cannot fire anymore at you because you know one by one they get burnt. Exactly. He doesn't have any more cartridges. I noticed in the beginning I said it's a free open source security automation tool. So this is for free. How does that work? Yeah, we're part of those people that think you know. Open source doesn't mean being poor and walking the woods to hunt for little animals to feed yourself and so on. <laughs> we think those people are extremely talented. The people that are working with us are extremely talented, pentesters, secops, devops that have like years of experience. So those people, they should earn their money, right? So yeah. what we do is we have to find a way of monetizing this properly and in respect for the community. That is, and I, I, I shall tell it like every day again, our biggest asset. So we should never, ever be aggressive toward this community. So what we do is like the softest we found is that people not partaking in identifying those bad IPs are paying to get access to this database. So even though you would not partake into the network, you you could still benefit from its uh, uh, database, but you would pay your access for that. Okay, so what you're saying is if I, if I, if I used your tool and I said, yeah, yeah, I don't want you to see any of the IPs address or any of the information. I don't want to take part in, in blocking IPs. You say, no problem. That's fine. But we're going to ask for a fee from you to use the service. That makes total sense. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Yep. And we think it's, it's, it's more than enough for us to be profitful for, for, first of all, and to, to have the softest possible monetizing way toward the community. Yeah, because obviously you want to pay people. I hate how often in our industry people are underpaid. You remember this SSL thing? Yeah, it was like two years ago, I think. Tell me, tell me. Um, 
there was a vulnerability in the SSL library, right? Yes. And everyone on Earth is using it, like banks, major businesses, and all of them, they rely on this SSL library. And then the developers were pointed, uh, finger pointed, like, okay, guys, you did crap. Uh, how could you let that pass? And so on. Those guys were working for free. I mean, wow. tons of business were making money out of it, and those guys were working for free. It's outrageous. <laughs> That's so gross. Yeah. Yeah, gross. Yeah. People that use your tool and they do decide to share their data and help the community, they get to use it for free. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, we don't even export the logs, right? Because, you know, since we are based in EU, uh, there is a strong regulation around that is called GDPR. Mm -hmm. And it states basically it's very protective toward uh, privacy, which is great. I mean, we love it. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't export logs as such. Everything is treated locally and we just get the meta. The meta being like the timestamp. When is this event happening? Uh, the IP that is involved in the shenanigans. And the scenario that the IP tried to trigger, like, I don't know, uh, password brute force or credit card stuffing or whatever it is. So, and this is the only information that are flowing back from you to us. So we don't export your logs. We don't want to know where you are uh, or whatever, or what you do in life. We just want to see who is attacking who. God, to hear a company say that is so great. I just hope we get more companies that say that. Tell you what. <laughs> Tell us who is the like a, like a kind of person that would really benefit from this? Is this like from a home user to a small business to enterprises? We thought it would be SMBs and small companies, you know, would be the, the major benefactor from this. They would really enjoy the fact that, you know, it's costless or close to, and they would, uh, you know, instantly get better security. But in the end, the first one that asked for a contract is a very big uh, US uh, hosting company. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a tier one thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and we were like, okay, so our business model, the one that we showcased to our investors is like, okay, you know, guys, there's a lot of SMBs out there and they want to have better security for bucks. And this is where we stand. And, you know, <laughs> like in December, you get a tier one demanding, okay, uh, can we get a support contract with you guys? Because we intend to, to deploy tens of thousands of, of machines. And you're like, uh, sure. Um, but let me call my investor because I need to tell them something first. <laughs> Guys, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, anyone can use it. If you think about it, across the industry, across 40 years of IT devices, ranging from the old school IBM machine in your basement that were, that was doing the accountancy in the bank up until latest, uh, Apple Watch 6. All of them have one common point. They can do web requests, HTTP requests, right? Yeah. So if we can, and this is what we do, if you can enable trust in just one HTTP request, you can help things like IoT devices that are dumb as such or very uh, limited in resources and that cannot make any smart thing to analyze security. The only thing they can do is like, okay, can I connect to this? And you can tell them, yeah, right, on the yeah. file. You can say, yeah, you, you could, or no, you should not. Yeah, And so you can protect things that are even the dumbest or the smallest uh, possible um, CPU package and RAM package. And that can do any of those things. It's certainly exciting times at CrowdSec. Yeah, I just it is. Hear, we love uh, it. We could talk all day now. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, please. I mean, it's it's a global thing we are trying to start. So it's just a sparkle now. And we need the community to grow. We need people to come and say, okay, we need this and that, or to develop tools with us, to interact with us. I mean, money is not the stake here. I mean, we have really literally VCs knocking at the door every other day. So what we need more than money is people 
interacting yeah. with us, discussing yeah. with us, saying, we need this, we need that, we'd like to develop this and that, how should we do it? So please come and join the crowd. We are here to back each other and uh, we'd be delighted to discuss and interact with you guys and try the product. It's really cool and it's free. Fantastic, guys. You can find all the information you need at crowdsec.net slash smashing and that's with a g what an amazing interview thank you so much philippe from the founder of crowdsec <laughs> thank you anytime you want carol <laughs> brilliant cool well that just about wraps it up for this week dave thank you so much for coming on the show i'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out more about what you're up to what's the best way for folks to do that Well, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Bittner, B-I-T-T-N-E-R. And uh, everything else is over on thecyberwire.com. Cool. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter on last have a G. And we're also on Reddit. Go and look for the Smash Insecurity subreddit up there. And don't forget, make sure you never miss another episode of Smash Insecurity. Subscribe in your favorite podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. Again, big thanks to our sponsors, 1Password and CrowdSec, and to our wonderful Patreon community, all of whom help us make this show free for all. Now, if you want details of past episodes or sponsorship information, guest lists, or the entire back catalog of our 200-plus episodes of Smashing Security, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ta-ta for now. Uh, but you know what? Uh, very interesting to me that in watching the show, I had a revelation oh. that Graham and I have something in common. Okay. Is it an inherent ruggedness and squareness of chin? Well, beyond that, beyond <laughs> that. So what, what, what do we have in common? Well, Carol, do you remember some of the things that, that Graham talked about on the live stream? No, I wasn't listening. You weren't written. All right. Well, let me, let me, let me lead into this with, to, to take a little trip back together. Right. Yes. The year is 1985. <laughs> the internet's, the internet's domain name system has just been created. We're all holding hands and singing, we are the world together. And four postmenopausal women have just moved into a Miami condo and started calling themselves the Golden Girls. Oh, oh, oh yes. Betty days. White. She's still mm-hmm. going, you know. She is. Yeah. I'm, I'm 15 years old. I'm a sophomore in high school. And my father has just finished a term volunteering as a board member for a local nonprofit. And as a thank you for his time with this organization, they present him with a lovely <laughs> leather briefcase. Oh. <laughs> uh... Leather now, my, briefcase. My father is very proud of this briefcase. He starts using it. Mm-hmm. day by day and one day i'm downstairs where he has his little office and i see sitting next to his desk is his old briefcase Ooh. and i say to him dad what are you going to do with that old briefcase please dad can i have it please dad <laughs> please and he says son would you like to have that briefcase <laughs> i say yes daddy i it's would like a norman rockwell painting right and so the briefcase got passed on to me, and I started using this briefcase in school to carry my books, my personal effects, my papers, my pens, the various things. A calculator. Calculator. Yes, indeed. So, Graham, you and I have that in common. I'm curious 
at what point did you stop using your briefcase? Because I remember the oh. moment for me, but I want to hear yours. Oh, I, I, I think I probably continued using it for quite some time, even after the lovely Harriet um, inquired why I carried was the only kid at school who had a briefcase. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I took that as a hint. I, I, I don't remember stopping. I must have stopped at some point, but I, I don't recall. What happened with you? Well, as you both know, I was very much into theater in high school. Mm. So one day after school, I went into a rehearsal for one of the shows that we were doing. And again, I'm a sophomore in high school. And um, I remember a young lady, a couple of years older than me, a senior, a beautiful uh, statuesque uh, young lady with long flowing red hair, a dancer. So uh, quite, uh, quite, quite beautiful. Uh, everything that a young 15 year old boy could uh, could, could possibly you. want, but was so far out of reach. Um, and as I walked in, she looked at me and she said, what's with the briefcase, nerd boy? <laughs> and immediately you set fire to it. <laughs> I, I let it go. It dropped to the floor and <laughs> <laughs> kicked it to the curb. <laughs> it's tragic. It really was. 